Lieutenant Willen's testimony was really shocking. Um, and essentially the fact that the Buffalo Police Department officers direct racial slurs at people of color with immunity is absolutely abhorrent and, and unacceptable in and of itself. But that the BPD leadership um, and Lieutenant Willen, who was a lieutenant at the time and heard these racial slurs being used by the BPD, um, did not just refuse to report or discipline officers who used this derogatory language, but but actually he defended it as a legitimate tactic to bring people of color into compliance. Um, this is all part and parcel of the dehumanizing culture at the BPD that drives the deeply discriminatory police practices that are at the heart of this lawsuit and racial violence more generally. The Buffalo Police Department is under fire of criticism from local activists alleging racial and civil discrimination. Officers' frequent use of racial slurs, including the N-word, and unequal discriminating policing efforts in different neighborhoods are two examples of allegations levied by Black Love Resists in the Rust, a local abolitionist organization. For the past month, investigative host Jeff Kelly has reported on the lawsuit the Buffalo Police Department faces. For investigative posts, I'm Garrett Looker, and this is Reporter's Notebook. Okay, um, so let's uh, let's dive in, and you've been reporting on the police um, for a long time, but over the last couple of weeks, um, you've really been uh, pulling some stuff up and uh, doing some really good reporting on it. So tell me what the current situation is with the Buffalo Police Department. Well, so the Buffalo Police Department, like a lot of police departments in cities across the country, is struggling with its relationship, particularly with communities of color, mm -hmm. with uh, the policies and the manner in which it uh, polices neighborhoods where that are predominantly black and brown, uh, poor neighborhoods. Uh, the perception is that those neighborhoods are over-policed, that, uh, that police are more likely to be inconsiderate, inconsiderate even violent uh, in encounters in those neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's also this perception, and this is the subject of the lawsuit that gives rise to much of this reporting we've done, uh, that, that there's a policy uh, implemented by Buffalo Police, but which comes from higher up, that policing should be used to raise revenue on the backs of some of the poorest people in our city, um, predominantly people of color, that, uh, that the city has had a policy, not written, but practiced, mm. that, uh, that those communities should be, are targeted for ticketing, uh, huh. for, for violations of vehicle and traffic law at a much higher rate than uh, communities that are pr predominantly white. And you did reporting on that uh, it, much further in the past, right? Yeah, and Investigative Post has my predecessors at Investigative Post. Danielle Parat did a lot of reporting about it. Another reporter named Marsha McLeod did great stuff on it. And, and it's all available on our website, of course. Right. You know, and uh, there's a whole history. And in fact, our editor, Jim Heaney, just uh, last week posted a sort of compendium of some of the best reporting Right. investigative post has done right which all of which sort of led up to the last couple of weeks of stories mm -hmm. you know so yeah let's um let's talk about how it did lead up to it how did you get 
um, into this reporting just recently? How did you go about reporting it, and where did those pieces of uh, information come from? Well, so the the first of the two stories that we're talking about today was, was about um, uh, some depositions in this lawsuit mm -hmm. in which uh, former officers described sort of regular use of racial slurs uh, in interactions between cops and, and people of color when mm -hmm. they're pulling them over or stopping them at checkpoints and issuing them tickets, sometimes many, many tickets, you know, for mm -hmm. one stop. Uh, those depositions come from this lawsuit that was filed four years ago, Black Love Resists in the Rust versus City of Buffalo Police Department, a bunch of individual officers. It's a big, sweeping lawsuit that basically, in federal court, a civil rights lawsuit that uh, accuses the city of violating the Constitution, of violating the civil rights of particularly black and brown people through its police policies, its ticketing po uh, practices. Mm -hmm. um, it's been going on for four years. The discovery process has been slow but extraordinary in terms of the the information that the plaintiffs are uh, are asking for and getting from the city regarding ticketing patterns, uh, but also depositions. And so over the last four years, I've kept in regular touch with the attorneys uh, and the plaintiffs in this case. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, a few weeks ago, one of those attorneys said, not for nothing, but there are some interesting depositions we've just taken, and they're going to become public. Hmm. And so, uh, so that relationship helped me get sort of a jump on, on this story. So really, it's it's years of reporting in Buffalo and building those relationships that got you the keys to unlocking this piece of information that led to the reporting that you've been doing over the last few weeks. You know as well as I, Garrett, that maintaining those relationships is is half of what reporting is. Right. You know. Right. So and and that's that's so I was lucky and in that sense in a sense the story sort of fell in my lap but mm -hmm. in another sense I'd been sort of like asking for it right right <laughs> well you've been waiting you've been waiting yeah well let's talk about those sources um, what do those sources look like and what are some of the sources that have evaded your questions regarding this stuff well you know happily one of the firmest ground a reporter can stand on is when something is in the public record mm -hmm. particularly if it's a court record. And so a lot of the reporting uh, for these last two stories, the last two stories were largely reporting uh, from court records, court filings, uh, affidavits and depositions, things, statements given under oath. Right. Uh, you know, which gives them some credibility at least. Right. A and then contextualized by past reporting we've done and looking for data that we have that's publicly accessible or which we've uh, acquired through freedom of information requests. Uh, that's the sort of stuff we have, right. right? Right. The stuff we never get is cooperation from City Hall or from police brass. Mm -hmm. uh, we even, you know, have conversations with, um, with rank-and-file police officers, always on background, off the record. Mm -hmm. Uh, but never, you, you know, those folks are willing to talk to us and confirm or, or, or adjust what it is we're reporting, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, but in terms of the, the people who are, whose job it is to be responsive and who are responsible for setting policy, they, right. generally speaking, if they, if they reply at all to a request for comment, it's to say we have no comment. Well, I think it was... Uh, a source from your most recent 
article um, on the DOJ um, and potentially the federal government stepping in um, to critique the Buffalo Police Department. And it was at the very bottom of that story. One of your sources said, this doesn't make sense because this is a prime opportunity for public servants to do the right thing. Yeah, right. So that's an interesting thing, right? So one of the things this lawsuit is asking for is for they're, they're asking for financial damages for people who, who claim their civil rights were violated by mm-hmm. cops, Buffalo cops, but they're also asking for reform, sweeping changes right. to the police department. They want a judge, a federal judge, to basically order uh, a program of reforms. It's called a consent decree. The other way that can happen is with uh, the Department of Justice can come in and investigate a department. They've done that dozens of times, many, many times across the country over the last 25 years. Mm-hmm. And those interventions by DOJ, I talked to a guy who used to, to run this program for DOJ, and he told me that very often police chiefs welcomed that intervention because they wanted to, really? ch- they wanted to change things in their departments, maybe not the same way the community activists did, but they mm-hmm. want... They wanted to make some changes, and they ran into political interference to, hmm. uh, to union contracts and other, and other obstacles to making changes they wanted to make. DOJ comes in, and they mandate it. It's required. It hmm. becomes legally binding, and that gives the chiefs or, or the commissioner or what have you mm-hmm. an opportunity maybe to enact change that, uh, that they can't achieve on their own. It mm-hmm. also has had the effect in some cities, these kinds of consent decrees, of increasing to some degree trust between the community and the police department because mm-hmm. there is this perception that some sort of change is being made or at least right. attempted. Right. So is there a, a sense of like political gridlock? I, I know um, you, you spoke um, not necessarily for this uh, set of reporting, but several years ago, you spoke with a councilman here in Buffalo um, regarding his experience on the Buffalo Police Department. Do you see, through your reporting, a political action through people like that that want to change the police department? No. Really? No, I don't. Well, not really. You know, you, you'll hear members of council talk about their desire f- to see changes in the police department. You'll hear it from the mayor of Buffalo, too. But all of them are long-tenured. And none of them have, none of them have succeeded in mm. making big changes in the way the department operates. Now, if they haven't succeeded, it's either because it's impossible, or because they haven't tried hard enough. Mm. Uh, other cities have, uh, in New York State, in in other parts of the country, uh, it's not the norm. But some departments have managed to either incremental change in some cases more than incremental change. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of them have done that with the assist of a consent decree, either through a court or through the Department of Justice. Uh, Some have done it kind of on their own with pressure from community activists and help from experts. Hmm. Uh, And in some case, with an assist from legislators. That doesn't seem to be happening here. Interesting. Well, you brought up community, community activists, and let's talk community activists. What What's the reaction from your reporting? Have you heard from people? Have people reached out? Um, and do they has their perception of the Buffalo Police Department changed over the course of these past few weeks? Well, the, the problem is that their perception hasn't changed because 
what we reported in the last couple of weeks comports with the perception they already have, mm. which is that y y nobody is saying that every cop individually is a racist, mm -hmm. right? It, it, that's absolutely not what anyone's saying. It right. absolutely can't be true. Right. Uh, what they argue is that the system itself I and the policies that drive the system are have the effect have the effect of uh, of racism mm -hmm. of of discrimination, and that's a long held uh, perception mm -hmm. among community activists, but not just among community activists, among people in these neighborhoods right. who who are accustomed to the idea of being pulled over because they have tinted windows and getting a ticket, not just one, but one for each tinted window, things like that. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. A thing that happens at a much higher rate if you happen to be a person of color than if you're white. If huh. you're white and you get pulled over and you have four tinted windows, you might just get one ticket. If you're black, you might get four. Really? Yeah. So what do you think, moving forward, um, your reporting might touch on? I mean... You had mentioned that this time things kind of fell in your lap, but you're keeping those pathways open. You're keeping that communication open with these activists. What do you think the next step is for the reporting? Sure. Well, th there's there are there are a lot of different stories uh, that we're following. Uh, me and other reporters in, in our newsroom. Uh, but that lawsuit, Black Love resists in the rust against the city of Buffalo. That is kind of for a journalist the gift that will keep on giving. Right. Uh, they. Uh, pre-trial discovery continues. They continue to take depositions. They're continuing to gather data. The city does not seem interested in settlement talks, which means it's pushing toward a It'll trial. Continue, yeah. Yeah, and um, and as it as it does, more information will become available to right. me and to other reporters, and therefore to the community. How long do you think that will go on? Well, uh, I think uh, depositions are meant to finish sometime in the spring. They're going to do expert testimony like early summer. Mm -hmm. They don't have a trial date yet, but I think discovery should be done by the end of the summer, of next summer. Uh, so over the next six or eight months, more of this stuff will keep coming up. And you have your work cut out for you. I do, but it's, uh, it's joyous work.